it's your host Maya and this is Motive. Are you guys ready to learn? Because I feel during this episode you will learn so much. This story ends on a bank holiday in August 2008. The Fosters returned from a barbecue to their home to get some peace and quiet before returning to work the next day. What only Christopher Foster knows is that these will be the last breaths the whole family will take, including him, his wife and his daughter. We know the crime, we have our killer, we have our victims. What was the motive? Moving on to the discovery. So the murder happened overnight. We'll go more into details obviously once we go into the killing. Um, in terms of discovery, so somebody made a 99 call in the morning when they saw um, the whole mansion has been engulfed in fire. So that is actually important because it took three days until the police could enter the crime scene. So it took three days until the firefighters could actually calm the fire down you don't say calm the fire down <laughs> it's like fire please calm down oh god i just love this so um it took 12 fire crews to contain the flames and the whole property had been blocked so once the police is actually in on the scene um they find the three horses dead shot in the head they check the cctv once they go through the house sure enough they are seeing a man that looks like Christopher Foster carrying a rifle. If you want to actually check the images, trust Daily Mail to have them. I swear Daily Mail is that freaking website that they would have if, if anybody leaks anything disturbing. If, if there were pictures leaked of the whole family just dead, you know, just looking spongy like cadavers, Daily Mail would have released them. I don't have any problem releasing anything. These are not as disturbing, but they show him just moving around the property with like an oil canister overnight. So, um, the police is walking around and they feel two bodies badly decomposed underneath them. They describe them as spongy, that's why I'm saying it's just imagine they have been burning for three days, the state of those bodies, unfortunately. Um, and Christopher and his wife had only been identified due to their dental records. Um, autopsy confirmed Jill had been shot in the head and died before the fire. Daughter Kirsty um, has been found dead in bed, already shot dead before the fire started. So both the wife and the daughter have been shot before the fire had started. And then he didn't actually shoot himself, so he died from the smoke ventilation, so he was still alive. Moving on to the crime. Sorry, I'm just being distracted by the rent money that's on my desk. You know, just thinking what I would spend it on if it wasn't for the rent. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts, the crime. Okay, so as I mentioned, it was a bank holiday Monday. So they came back from a barbecue party that evening and um, the daughter Kirsty goes to let the dogs out and then goes to chat, you know, with her friends on MSN. I remember MSN. <laughs> MSN is how I told my best friend I'm gonna be moving to the UK. She was not happy about that. She is not. Yeah, so that was 
that was 2008, 2009. Yeah, more than 10 years ago. Guys, I have been uh, in this teaching hole forever. So, based on how the police found the bodies, his wife Jill was shot first. So he shot her with a silencer, so that's why the daughter didn't actually wake up. Um, so once she was, so she, okay, the crime happened within the span between like 12 in the morning and 3 a.m. Um, so he shoots his wife, then he realizes, you know, Kirsty is actually still awake. She's texting her friend saying that the internet went off, so he switched the internet off. And the friend actually asks Kirsty to turn it back on, but she says she's too scared that her dad is close by. Okay, no apparent, again, a disclaimer. But if you're this scared of your dad, you know, that's probably not okay. She has actually said to her friends on multiple occasions how scared she is of her dad. So some of you might say this is good parenting, but Chris actually put some crazy fear into this family. So he was insanely possessive over finances and everything. He was really controlling. So, you know, if you're listening to this as a young teenager, you are, first of all, too fucking young, but you're also a true crime freak. This is where the, the interest really develops. So, um... Thanks guys, you might have a podcast one day. Congratulations for the future that you know, awaits. So, um, he tells his wife, he waits for the daughter to fall asleep, and the fact that he didn't want her awake kind of speaks to different motives that I can see here. So, A, was he a coward? Like, covered. <laughs> coward. <laughs> was he a coward, basically? Could he not actually have them killed alive? Could he not face them? Did he have to kill them asleep? And debatable. So, or maybe he was just smart. He didn't want them to scream, he didn't want them to try to escape or alert the neighbors and destroy his perfect plan. Because by what people, what the police have seen on CCTV, this did seem premeditated. So the um, large time gap between the murders, um, so that large window actually shows premeditation and just the patience that he had as if he, you know, just had to go through with this. Uh, also completely discards the possibility of no motive and just him snapping and losing it. He had all of the time to change his mind, like he had three hours to just roam the house and decide maybe this is a bad idea or you know, maybe I should actually let my family live. Um, after he shot his daughter, he goes shoots off dogs and horses. Again, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do any of it. So that was shown on the CCTV. He also shot the tires out of all of the cars and blocked the entrance gate to the property with a horse transporter. So this is just again to block his family and this whole crime scene from the police and just not to facilitate anybody to discover what he has done. And again completely to separate him and his possessive you know, need to protect the family from everybody. Now what he does is he runs oil through the pumps, through the house, the garage and the stables. So basically it just lights up the whole of the mansion property on fire, that's why it took three days for them to actually um, get to the bodies. So this part, I said, makes me kind of think there is something psychologically wrong, as in he might be sociopath. 
just because of the decisions he made. So why cause this fire this big? Then kill off all the animals, you know, not just the family, but the animals, and prevent the police from going into the house for days on end. Um, so it is, yeah, everything had to go with him, including the house. So now, before we dive in into the background and the motives, um, something worth discussing, you know, so we're gonna have a little psychology lesson, because that's what pops up once you actually discuss the crime and you're freaking out, thinking, why did this guy just do everything in sequence that he did? So, family annihilators, anybody heard about them? Apparently there is four types of them, so I find that so interesting, although I have obviously heard different, you know, podcasts and watch different stuff on family annihilators, but it is always so strange to actually find something new and trying to find a match and an explanation for this particular type. So, a bit of a background there. So a team of leading criminologists from Birmingham City University, hey, shout out to Birmingham, uh, published the first ever study of British family annihilators. A male-dominated crime found to be most common in August. Now you're reading this and you're like, why in August? Why is it only in August? And then, literally the next line says, August was found to be the most common month for the killing to take place, accounting for 20% of cases. Just under half of all murders were committed over weekends, especially on a Sunday. Again, you're like, hello, can somebody tell me? Somebody please answer this question. Why is it in August? Um, I'm here trying to figure out the motive and everything in between, and I don't have reasons for it. So, eventually it says, this is partly because the father had access to his children in the middle of the school holidays when he's not at work, so sometimes parents would be separated, etc. And it might also be a symbolic factor, as estranged fathers know that by the end of the weekend they will have to hand their children back to the mother. So they're like, nope, we are possessive as fuck and this child is ours. That's why in August, and that's why usually male. The four types, and you guys tell me if you disagree with where I think Christopher Foster fits. Number one. Number one is called self-righteous, or as I call it, the psycho breadwinner. So these guys usually blame the crimes upon the mother, so they just hold them responsible for the breakdown of the family. So they might call the mom uh, before the murder and they're just like, this is what I'm going to do to the family. So, in their minds, the mom is guilty and they are, you know, the almighty breadwinners. Number two. I am a professional human who is learning effects in audacity, guys. <laughs> Somebody please edit this stuff for me. Number two is um, disappointed. So, this guy thinks his family will let him down or they undermine him. They destroy the vision of this ideal family life he had planned out. So this might be disappointment that kids are not following the traditional, like religious and cultural customs of the father. So this is more of a religious kind of fake. Number three. Now this is where I think Christopher Foster fits. Let me know if it doesn't make sense. If you're like, am I speaking judo? So the third part is um, anomic. So in these cases, family has become firmly linked in the mind of the killer to the economy. So they see the family as the result of his economic success, 
allowing him to display his achievements. So we will go into the background to describe this further, but even from what you will heard now, is how the family lived lavishly. And the father becomes economic failure, then you know he sees the family as no longer serving his function, and he just decides they gotta go. Number four. And the last one is paranoid. So these are the ones that perceive um, an external threat to the family. So it's often like social services or the legal system that is perceived as a threat. So the father fears that they are siding against him, they're taking away the children, you know, everybody's against him, and the murder is motivated by this twisted desire that he needs to protect his family. Now, let us dive more into the background of this family to find out why do I think he is kind of an anomic uh, family annihilator. You know how it goes, the background goes in a reverse, as you know, the detectives were finding out about everything and trying to put pieces together. So they were first looking at um, what happened a few days before the murder. So their housekeeper Belinda actually reported she witnessed them watch their wedding video the weekend before you know, the bank holiday. Slightly odd, slightly odd, because it's not like she mentioned this was a regular occurrence and they're like reminiscing about their life. So I think he was just doing bits and pieces before he snapped, you know, to make himself appear as this protector of the family and to you know, maybe justify himself in the eyes of the others. So before this um, wedding video watching adventure, um, Chris and the Fosters have been in debt for the past couple of months. So he has obviously tried to hide from the eyes of the public. So he appears to have suffered a breakdown following the failure of his business, leaving him with two million in debt. And instead of well giving the property to the creditors or you know considering other options to relieve the family debts this um has been quite an impulsive decision for him um before the death or rather why the death might have actually happened is because well he was splashing out the money on anybody and anything in his family mostly on himself to be honest he had bought some pretty expensive guns um, and rifles. Then, of course, he had a phase where he identified with this hobby and, you know, changed his personality. And this is when, like, you know, you discover yoga or Jesus or, you know, go into Scientology and then splash out all of the money, give it all to the cult, right? So this is the phase once he started buying guns. Um, he spent money on doves for his wife. Yeah, apart from horses and dogs, the wife was actually more into doves out of everything else. <sighs> Let the witch be rich. Um, along with the mansion and the cars. So he had like two Porsches and... Uh, I don't know, cars. He had multiple cars for, you know, the two people that are actually driving. Um, he would splash out money on at least eight mistresses of his. How do these millionaires get to have multiple mistresses like how do you have the time apart from it's just it just baffles me because you are there having a successful business keeping appearances having family having taken care of the whole mansion you know they're managing to you know sustain help eight mistresses uh, so according to jail sister he had a big thing about blondes again what 
his wife wasn't even blonde. This is so wrong. Um, Giddings later told the Sunday people Jill knew all about the affairs, so there were lots of women on the scene, but she played the dutiful wife and kept quiet. He wasn't a good-looking guy, but money did the talking. He was always flashing the cash. This seemed to give him confidence. One of the events that happened, um, you know, kind of a couple of months before the murder, or once he actually purchased his guns, um, that kind of gives me that impression that he was well, a control freak to begin with, but also why he put so much fear into his daughter and why the whole family was fearing him, is that he, uh, instead of, well, training, his daughter's dog, he actually, while the dog was misbehaving, he just chose to shoot the dog. And well, yeah, that is kind of why his daughter is shit scared of him. So how did he become rich? The next line says, a successful self-made businessman. The term self-made needs to die. It's 2020 and everybody needs to realize nobody is self-made. Everybody has some help, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, editing programs, everybody has somebody supporting them. So, in 1997, he had a eureka moment. He invented and patented new chemical formula. So, uh, it's something to do with new type of oil rig insulation. So, if somebody knows kind of too much suspiciously a lot about oil, it might be the day you will, you know, burn the house down. Nobody should know that much about how to burn the whole mansion and stables and cars and everything down in, you know, the record amount of time. Again, you can't find much about Jill before, um, well, yeah, before and beyond her married life. According to Daily Mail, um, in the course of 21 years of marriage, Chris and Jill had moved from the first home in like suburban new build in Wolverhampton to a beautiful country house there in Shropshire where they were when they died um set in 16 acres of land what are acres guys how how big is that never, never bothered to check how many 16 acres of land is but yeah it stores everything that i said so it's pretty big with four much loved dogs clearly not five horses and Jill's doves. Going back to his childhood and one of the only known facts in the childhood, so we're going back about 30 to 35 years ago, when he was um, like teenager, where these tendencies have started. Um, he then, you know, lived with his brother and obviously his family. And the brother actually, after the murders have happened, claimed the abuse. So he claimed like the brother would show him pornographic material and then would sexually abuse him. So um, his brother said he believed that Christopher actually suffered from a personality disorder. So he would be like all nice and then just switch into this pervert kind of brother. So that's about that. So again, as you can see, um, when it comes to the people that only commit one murder out of nowhere, um, there's not that much on their childhood. Unfortunately, I have looked through many articles, which will be listed later, but there is not, nothing much really, nothing on Jill. So it's only a couple of relevant things that people actually only speak about after the people are dead. Well, because when they're alive, well, we've seen how Christopher Foster was alive, so that doesn't come as any surprise that people only speak about it after he's dead. So, 
we have discussed the background, we have discussed the murder, and we have discussed the discovery. You know what that means? It's time to discuss the motive. And here, well, the motive uh, ultimately comes to do you believe in the family annihilator theory, theories that I presented, or do you believe that it's more to do with psychology? You know, maybe psychology of an arsonist, but in my opinion, the arsonist theory doesn't make much sense because he ends up killing himself. So if he had stayed alive, he was like getting off on this and, you know, managing to, I don't know, claim the insurance money, then I might be buying into the arsonist theory. But, so you can either focus on Christopher Foster as the annihilator, which, I mean, he is by the definition of it. And there's not as much work, so there is just the four developed theories of it and then who fits where kind of thing. So the expert said that Foster killed his family because his businesses were in severe financial trouble and he wanted to protect them from poverty. So you can either see that as a motive or if you are me, you are seeing it more as a psychological thing, but not as much of a sociopath or psychopath or arsonist, it's more that he was a really selfish narcissist, that the status consumed him, he felt entitled to it, he didn't want to sell, you know, his property, or sell his possessions rather, to actually pay off the debt, to deal with the creditors, to, yeah, maybe, you know, be the ghost of the town, but then again, save his family and continue the more modest life, he just saw the family as the extension also to who he was, so they had to share the same fate. So just, you know, why I think that to develop that more is because he could have declared bankruptcy, obviously not pleasant, um, but still, yeah, the creditors would be behind his neck and he would have to, you know, pay up and possibly sell everything from his cars to any expensive items. Still, it wouldn't involve this tragedy. Now, onto the rapid fire facts that came out during this investigation. Please, somebody hit me up on motivepod at gmail.com about this. So, when I try to research on Joe, um, or when you try to research about any dead victim, really, there's this website called Find a Grave, like findagrave.com or whatever. Um, that, well, has all the morbid facts of like, hey, this, these are the pictures, if there are any from the funeral, or this is when the person was buried. And it has inscriptions that are on the graves. Please somebody explain to me how, like, is this a job? Do people walk around and just read the inscriptions of the graves and send them to others? Why are there so many more morbid jobs than, you know, morticians and shit? Anyways, um... Yeah, so most of the rapid fire facts, except from the findagrave.com, um, are surrounding the site. So, um, and <laughs> the two of them are the quotes from estate agents, which you just know it's going to look brilliant. So before the site was sold, um, what they said in the article was, the site is a rare opportunity to construct a large country house in a secluded location with a spectacular backdrop of the Welsh mountains. I love estate agents, you know, will to sell the place. They just, they just need to like show it. It's no, there's nothing morbid. Yep, yep. He killed his whole family. The place was burning for you know a couple of days. Probably still haunted by the ghosts of the little child. But no, 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 no. It's the backdrop of the Welsh mountains. 
guys, you, you're gonna have all the views. And it has actually been sold like in 2014. So why is that? Six years after the miners? I mean, hey, hey, in the end, people do want the flipping mansion. So it was renamed as Waterside House. Of course, I'm just gonna rename it. Please don't associate this um, with the murders. So the site was originally at the market with a guide price of 600,000. After a lack of interest, the price was dropped to 400. No, it was dropped to um, 420,000. So it was like 450,000 and then 420,000. Somebody was really bargaining for this. They're like, you are not tricking me into this shit. This, like, the whole family has been murdered here. And then in one of the articles online, is this is kind of the sad part. So um, since the tragedy, um, the neighbors were actually complaining that the trespassers were climbing over the walls to take pictures out of the morbid curiosity. And groups have entered the site to mark 15-year-old Kirsty's memory on her birthday each year. Which, I mean, I kind of hope the new owners respect that. Even though, yeah, it is their house, that would be the one part to, you know, it would be nice to continue for somebody to actually mark the respect of this guy, this girl's birthday every year. Um, Andrew Foster, the brother of Christopher, said he hoped that the new owners would allow him to build a memorial on the site for Kirsty. Which, yeah, as I was saying, would be nice to have something at least for Kirsty, for somebody to commemorate um, her birthday every year. I don't know what he had in mind, this kind of sounds strange, but... It would be, yeah, nice to have something. Because this little girl didn't deserve any of it, really. The sources for this podcast episode. Episode. Nothing happy about this episode. Um, okay, Red-Handed Podcast. I love those girls. Those girls hit me up. Yeah, so uh, Red-Handed Podcast. Um, the Birmingham City University article on the characteristics of the family annihilators wikipedia of course oh actually wikipedia doesn't have a page on christopher foster well it just directs you to the murders of shropshire page and yeah it just said it has it really briefly which again makes me sort of happy as i mentioned that not all of the murders have a wikipedia page where people gloriously post every single bit you know not everybody is a freaking ted bundy which is great Shropshire Star, Guardian, Crime Investigation, and there is this brilliant PDF by somebody who broke this down. It's like criminallawyer.org.uk. He just broke this whole murder down um, through like the criminal things, so everything from that to litigations. It is just beautifully broken down. I just went through it and I was like, I don't know if it's for his essay, if it's for his actual work. Or why is it actually available to the public? But yeah, if there's anybody who wants, you know, the criminal lawyer approach to this, yeah, go for it, guys. Now, I always record the first part of the episode too early and then the second part just before the release. Which in this case doesn't serve me right, because I suddenly sound like a dead human that is risen from the dead. That was so nicely phrased. 
So yeah, I have been properly sick for the past couple of days, so that has been great. But, um, in this section where I say what I have been following in the news or watching or listening to, well, Criminal Minds is back, so that's great. I'm totally not gonna have a meltdown once they end after this season and having only 10 episodes. So yeah, so I binged on those first two episodes of season 15 this morning. That has been great. Way too many, you know, TV shows that have lasted for... A freaking decade or longer than that have been ending last year and this year you know I am not into that not into that at all I just want all to continue like why can it not all continue you know just has a solid plot crime is always there we can always have you know different cases of the show why can it not freaking continue what we don't need young Sheldon we need lost but actually lost that you know doesn't get lost in the plot and just finishes on what the fuck note god i watched lost way too late for it to still be fresh and <laughs> pissing me off with my mind <laughs> this in 2020 i watched lost in like 2018 i was like this is the best show ever because it was if you think about it for the first two three seasons it was legit like the show that had never been made and then they, they fucked up just and then they continued fucking up so yeah you see why don't we just revive the shows that are good that have the solid plots that have structure <sighs> anyways um what else oh my god this story guys there's a story in the news because this guy has finally been arrested whoa this has like a left a right center twist turns and somehow a little mix song in a mix nicely put my so so charmingly put so his name is reinhard sinaga it's everywhere now because he's apparently the most prolific serial rapist in the uk um this guy is i think indonesian he's a student again kind of ties in like <laughs> it doesn't tie in but the way christopher foster you know had this money and you know had like how many mistresses how does he have time this guy has 195 different victims on his hands that he sexually assaulted and then i think like 150 that he raped he recorded every single thing it's so mind-boggling like there's cctv of him just lurking around the streets in like in front of different gay bars and clubs in manchester just picking up people and bringing them home to his like with the promise of either a party or you know just come to hang and then they refuse to have sex and he spikes their drinks um with like a ghb formula i don't know these drugs like this guy has too much access too much time on his hands i don't understand how this is happening though okay so there's a few things here first of all he gives them water and then they're like, yeah, this doesn't look like water. <laughs> he says, no, it's water. You need to drink water. Okay, this reminds me of people in the office who, like, try to get you to hydrate. Like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Let me drink calories. Like, it's not on you. You are not going to have, like, punch tomorrow. Like, let me fucking... Like, I know how much water I need to drink. Like, run, this is a red flag. If it doesn't look like water, somebody's still making you drink it. To run for your life. Not blaming it on anybody here, but it was just like that phrase. Oh, um, and then apparently he was sharing the WhatsApp messages 
with um yeah with his mates he made the reference to the secret poison making yes heterosexual men fall in love with him and he used the little mix black magic song and it's just like so i have never thought little mix would be used into anything serious or anything in real life would be quoted but hey they made it they made it guys they're in guardian now so he said black magic um ray makes me no, Ray makes drink potion of gay love, take a sip of my secret poison, I'll make you fall in love. Just peek. On a more serious note, this guy has done some serious damage. Like, in the city of Manchester. It's just, again, how justice system doesn't serve justice quickly enough, to be honest. Because he has been caught in 2017, so only been... Um, convicted to 30 plus years. Luckily, 30 plus years is enough, I guess. Is it? Probably not. Because he will, what is, if he's a student now, how old is he? How old is this pervert? Oh my god, I have been trying to do math for like the past three minutes. He was born in 1983. So he's what, nine years old than me? I was like, how old am I? What is life? Okay, so he was a mature student of like, 36. I don't know, I can't do math, guys, don't pressure me. Anyways, um, so, yeah, so he was a mature student, just luring people into his house. It is just beyond. So when the police first, like, interrogated him, like, they were trying to take his phone, he was just, like, trying to snitch it and, you know, giving them the wrong pin to open up the phone. And on the phone, they obviously found, like, multiple proofs, like, he recorded every single rape. And in some videos, you know, his victims are snoring or just completely it's obvious that they are sleeping, they're not present. He just tried to obviously be like, well, you know, it's their fault they came in. You know, just blame it, you know, blame it on the victims like a complete psychopath that you are. So he would say that the men would approach him on the street and just flatly proposition you know, let's go to your flat for a sexual role play <laughs> involved. <laughs> Sorry. This is too specific for it to be. This is like when people just come out. They're like, no, of course I didn't sleep with my mom. Why would you ever say that? No, of course I've never slept with my mom. It's like, yeah, you sleep with your mom. Like, it's like one of those justifications. It's just too obvious play to me as a lie. So he would say the man would approach him on the street near his flat and proposition. They go to his flat to take part of the sexual role play that involved them pretending to be asleep while he penetrated them, sometimes for hours. Mate, do you have that on tape? Like, I understand, people have different fetishes, etc. But for you to say that no, this is exactly what they requested, this is why this is on video, Sorry, you need you need some proof. You need some contractual proof, sir. So he said they were lying in court, as it's not easy thing to come out as gay, and the internalized homophobia like still remains widespread. Sorry, just just no. This case is pissing me off on so many levels. But on that note, um, guys, if you have ever been, you know, a survivor of sexual crime. I mean, there is Survivors Manchester um, helpline as well, but there is Survivors UK. So just, yeah, bring it, speak to somebody. They can give you sources and give you advice on how to report it as well. Don't let it be unnoticed, you know. Don't let people get away with anything. And just, yeah, just for your own sake, speak to somebody. I can't end this episode on such a grim note. So, um, positive stuff. So, something positive. <laughs> Why is it always like a thing that you have to think about? 
and when it's something negative it just yeah it comes out of it. it's just yep this is what's shit in my life um so well on a positive note 2020 is going in a different direction than last year was because i decided to make a change so make changes guys even if they don't bring you profit yet you know or might not bring you profit in the next certain amount of time <sighs> but it's moving in the right direction yeah i'm making this podcast getting time to make the podcast regardless of the hours I'm working regardless of you know the customer service job that I've been doing forever and ever I mean if I learned anything from yeah being stuck doing the same thing that I not very much enjoy or like for a couple of years that used to appreciate stuff that I'm stuck in that I enjoy and like like having this spacious flat that is indeed not in zones one and two but it allows me to hey record this podcast although it's not you know soundproof so you can now enjoy the lovely drink of rain on my windows but that's great um it's that period of time when i'm again finishing harry potter stuff so i've been listening to audiobooks this year it's usually rereading the books in different languages or you know we're watching the movies around like the christmas and new year's period so yeah and or just you know nostalgically re-watching something like that 70s show or friends or lost just kidding nobody watches lost it's new directions guys it's all about the new directions take it take it now start it now you know have a plan b always have a second option live your life catch and report all the sexual predators out there don't catch them yourself don't get yourself in trouble you know keep hydrating but not if anybody else tells you spite everybody else and they're fucking need to tell you how much water you should drink damn right um and uh yeah what's my outro for this again oh yeah keep making world a better place one motive at a time bye